Welcome to The Sword and the Trial, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. I'm Tom Askell. Thanks for listening to The Sword and the Trial today. We're happy to have you with us here and looking forward to getting into COVID, vaccine passports, and renewing your mind, not being conformed <laughs> to the pattern of this world, particularly through the great stereopticon. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a big word. And... Uh comes from Richard Weaver, who helped us to think about that uh, many, many years ago. Was that, when was his book, uh, Ideas Have Consequences? 48, 1940-something. I think it was 48 yeah. or 50, somewhere around in there. Back in the day. The Stereopticon, I think, has only grown larger and larger. But more about that in a minute. We don't want to forget to tell you about the Militant and Triumphant. That is the Founders National Conference down here in Southwest Florida, January 20th through the 23rd. We're looking forward to having uh, Vody Bauckham with us, and then you'll be preaching, I'll be preaching. We had Travis James, Allen. Travis Allen will be preaching God's Word. Conrad M. Bayway mm-hmm. will be preaching. James and Coates. And James Coates. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful time. A uh, number of exhibitors uh, will be joining us. Uh, times to make relationships, to enjoy some fellowship, and so register mm-hmm. now to come down here in January. Church militant. It sounds so harsh. Yeah, sounds like Christian nationalism, yeah, sounds like fundamentalism, right. sounds like all Jesus those things that are Jesus and John Wayne, right? Jesus we're we're, we're going to inspire her to write a second book. So uh, there you go. Um, we also have Institute of Public Theology Convocation. Yeah, that's kicking off, man. Our first classes are scheduled, the uh, I think it's the 23rd of this month, August, and then the 28th, that's Saturday. Uh, we've got our convocation with Everett Piper. I'm looking forward to that. Inaugural convocation. Uh, Everett's a, a wonderful brother who's been in academic life and who understands the pitfalls. And uh, we expect him to come and help us think clearly, challenge us wonderfully well. So you're invited to come to be a part of that. We'd love to have you there. Yes. And the first two courses are launching in August. And I'm convinced that this is exactly what is needed for today. You know, I, as I've been working through the syllabi for the first two courses, what hath Boethius to do with <laughs> Charles Spurgeon? And uh, for those of you who say, well, what's that all about? I mean, that, Who's that, Boethius? that is the I mean, I'm seeing the brilliance of the way this thing is structured in the, the classes that are going to be offered. You're going to be teaching a course on um, pastor in the public square, right. pastoral theology. And then we have a, a change in our schedule. Uh, we are going to have Dr. Jim Scott Orrick coming to teach um, classics and theology. It's yeah. going to be a wonderful course that he's going to be teaching in place of Dr. Tom Nettles. And uh, Dr. Nettles won't be able to join us. He's got uh, sickness going on in this family and mm. want to ask you to pray for yes, Dr. Nettles' family. And um, that course change has happened, and we will have Dr. Jim Scott Orrick down here with us. And we'll have Dr. Nettles, God willing, uh, later. So the course that he's prepared is going to be dynamite, and hopefully either spring, summer, sometime soon, we'll get him scheduled and uh, get all that done. So Yes. All right. COVID, COVID, vaccine passports, and the great Stereopticon. I was downtown uh, here in Fort Myers recently and walking around with my wife and we were talking about you know this we hear there's been an uptick in covid down here in some places of florida and we've noticed a few people with more masks that are popping up now they pretty much died down and then we hear that you know it doesn't matter how many times you got in the vaccine you know you're still going to need to social distance you're still going to need to wear a mask and all of these kind of things how far apart are we by the way i don't know i think we're nervous i think we're bringing it and um so 
we're talking about these things, and then we're as we're walking to dinner, there's a news uh, lady that's standing there with a big camera, and she's interviewing one of the citizens. And I appreciated what the citizen said. He said something like, uh, you know, you can, get, you can get the vaccine if you want to, and don't get the vaccine if you don't want to. But nevertheless, I said, why are we talking about this? I mean, it's, it's fascinating to me how we are driven by uh, – something you know it seems like everybody's marching to the beat of the same drum at least having this kind of pressed upon us so covid is certainly a conversation right now vaccine passports are a conversation we're hearing about it being established in other countries and some uh, uproar there so should we have to um, have some kind of public database that says whether you've gotten the vaccine or not and where you can go no <laughs> it's pretty simple to me. It's pretty easy. Yeah, no, but it, it is crazy. Uh, conversations are being held. Uh, you know, President Biden recently said he's not sure. They're investigating whether or not the federal government can force citizens to get the vaccination. Uh, so many things going on. And yeah, what you, what your guy said on the street the other day. I mean, that's right. If you want to get it, get it. If you don't want to get it, don't get it. We're talking about a disease that kills less than 1%. Other people get infected with it. And there's all kind of comorbidities, all kind of special categories of people that whenever you break that down, the general population is uh, far less likely than even 1% to die from this disease. It's a real disease. Uh, you know, we have friends that have uh, had it and people I know that have died from it and loved ones. And so it's, we're not downplaying the reality of the disease, but we're, we're looking at this disease, trying to put it in its proper category. You know, this is not the bubonic plague. Uh, th this is not the end of the world. Th this is a disease that is deadly, but it is not anything that requires the kind of draconian uh, responses that we're seeing from government. And, and people seem to be going along with it. I mean, we have people screaming, you know, get, just get vaccinated, just get vaccinated. And now we have governments telling you, we'll pay you to get vaccinated. And we got people floating the idea that if you don't get vaccinated, then we're going to punish you. Well, you're not going to be able to travel. You're not going to be able to eat. I mean, there, you know, one pundit came out recently and said that we ought to incentivize everybody to get the vaccination for the next X number of weeks. And then if they don't, the rest of us will hold down the people who don't and we will force them to take the vaccination. <laughs> I'm thinking we'll give you a little carrot. I'm going to give you a little. <laughs> that's stick. right. Both of them, you know. So th this is insane. And, and what's being lost, I think, in the, this debate is, OK, well, what's the role of government here? Mm -hmm. And we've talked a lot about that over 2020, and we need to just continue to talk about it because people seem to not remember if they ever knew. And even Christian leaders who've come out and strongly said, you got to get vaccinated, you got to get vaccinated. Well, there's another side to that whole debate. Uh, you mentioned uh, governments giving out money. So I think this was up in New York. I heard you get like $100 or something. If you go, hey, please, we want to incentivize you to do the right thing. Well, you've got to sit back. Just kind of basic uh, civics. What, where did they get the money from? Okay, so they got the money <laughs> got from, from me, you. From they got me. the money from you. Okay, so they, they took everybody's money. And then they made a decision that they're going to give a person $100 to come and get a vaccination, yeah. $100 of other people's money. Do you think that that is a good idea? Do you think that's some, is that what government is supposed to be doing? And the answer, of course, is absolutely not. That's what uh, government should not be doing that. And you do have to go back to Romans 13 and say, what is uh, the civil magistrate for? Well, there's the punishing of the wrongdoer. That's what they're supposed to do. And uh, whose are they? Well, they are a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Christ. And therefore, they need to be looking to the Lord Jesus Christ to see what he has required them to do. And while he's required them to punish the wrongdoer, he's not required them to take everybody's money and give $100 to somebody to come get a vaccination from a sickness that kills less than 1% of the people who contract it. Yeah, I'm opposed to that kind of incentivization. However, I do recognize that the government has a role. I think it's more than just punishing the evildoer. And First Peter 2 talks about praising that, which is good. And so there's some dimension in there that you want to promote what you think is good. And our government thinks getting vaccinations on for, against COVID is good. So I get that. But whenever you start laying it out the way that it's been discussed, and you know, President Biden trying to decide whether or not the federal government has the right to require this. I mean, those types of things are the overreach that we've seen so much of in recent years, especially in 2020. And it's that kind of uh, operation by our federal government that Christians and Christian leaders especially don't seem to be able to evaluate biblically because they just, it's Romans 13, it's gotta be okay. And they lose sight of the fact that no, it's not okay. Obadiah Holmes, it was, uh, just recently, I think it was uh, what July 30th, I think it was, that, or just in the last few days, 1651, when he was sentenced to 30 lashes because he refused to pay the fine for being arrested when he went to Lynn, Massachusetts to uh, bring the gospel to an elderly Baptist man. He and, and uh, a couple other Baptist friends uh, went there and they were arrested for doing so. And he chose to be beaten by the government on Market Street in Boston rather than pay the fine. Why? Because he knew this is not government's responsibility. Government has no right to do this. And so he took the beating to highlight the impropriety of government overreach. Whereas today, it seems like Christians are just so quickly willing to, to roll over. Oh, okay, I got to do this. Okay, you know, you telling me I got to do it. Rather than thinking, is that what God's called the government to do? And if the government is trying to do things beyond what God's called it to do, Christians need to stand up and say, stay in your lane. Yeah. And you mentioned the text about, you know, reward those who do good. That is, that is the logic. And I can hear a lot of Christians saying, okay, Tom, well, you mentioned that not just punishing the wrongdoer, but there's supposed to be some kind of um, praise acknowledgement them. and mm-hmm. praise of those who do good. And this is what we think this vaccine um, is a good thing. It's going to kind of restrain a virus that you've already admitted is killing people. And so what's wrong with the government giving a hundred dollars to somebody that's doing something good? Yeah. Well, what's wrong with that is that again, the, the the government is involved in too much of the details of our lives like that. So if we're going to do that, then actually the government ought to give money to those that ride bicycles rather than drive cars because cars kill a lot of people. A lot of people get called and uh, killed in cars. And it's, it's the limited role of government. I do think that uh, a proper biblical understanding of government sees it with very strict limitations. I mean, there are good things government is designed to do by God, but it is not designed to be intricately involved in the details of individual lives. God created individuals to relate to him directly, created families to relate to him in terms of their uh, immediate uh, connections. He created churches that are to operate under the lordship of Christ in community, and he created governments. And the government is not to be the detailed arbiter of individual family church life. Yeah, that's that's a conversation that needs to be had by so many Christians that I'm afraid uh, assume that government is supposed to, well, do just as much kind of uh, praising those who do good by somehow incentivizing them with other people's money right. um, as they are to punish the wrongdoer. And it's not, that's not the, that's not the direction of scripture. You know, Israel, were, they were slaves 
under Pharaoh's tyranny, and then they came out of that slavery. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, this the law functions as this schoolmaster, this mm-hmm. kind of. Uh, but now you're growing up into maturity, and that doesn't mean that for Christians we cast off the law. Go to Calvin's third use of the law. Of, of course, we uphold that. But when it comes to other people uh, beginning to um, direct us as civil authorities and regulate all these part of our lives and say, well, it's for your good. It's for your good. Well, no, you're, you're, Pharaoh's a bad thing. You're not going to operate as Pharaoh because we're not slaves in Egypt. We have been set free. We have Christ who is the ultimate king overall. And uh, this, the older generation seemed to grasp that. They, I'm not saying they were all Christians. They just had the sense of like, yeah, I'm responsible for my stuff. I'm mm-hmm. responsible to provide for myself, for my family, if I'm the head of this household. And then I'm responsible to train up my children to, to take that responsibility as well. And there's going to be, you know, there's going to be problems to that. There's going to be challenges to that. But when the challenge comes, I'm not going to immediately going, be going to the governor and saying, you know, well, can you incentivize me? I'm out here trying to do good, but you know, some worms ate my crop. So <laughs> could you, it's no, but give me it, other people's money. <laughs> and so they, you have to, I think lining up with the trajectory of where scripture leads us, this is the, you know, the gospel has set us free yeah. to actually go out and live as people created in the image of God and not be dependent upon that government. Yeah. And, and you know, Jared, this is really what has been behind a lot of the motivation of starting the Institute of Public Theology. It's because we don't think like this anymore. And we live off of the blessings of those who did think like this. So uh, this nation was formed on the thinking of people who were impacted by this worldview. And I'm not suggesting everyone was a Christian in our nation's founding, but many of them were, and most of them were severely influenced by this Christian worldview that arises from scripture. So that what the, all cultures are not equal. You know, one culture is not just as valid as another. Oh, wow. There are cultures. Oh, wow, I know Tom. we're going to get emails. Oh, I understand goodness, it. Tom. Go ahead, send it to Jared Longshore at founders.org. Okay. <laughs> But it's true. I mean, there are cultures that are impacted by the gospel. Now, you're going to tell me that a headhunting culture in the New Hebrides before John Payton got there and evangelized it is just as uh, valuable, just as moral, just as legit, just as w- worthwhile as an American culture that has uh, capitalism and free market enterprise and civil liberties? It, of course not. You just can't. But in our day, there's been this flattening out of, of uh, moral reasoning. We've lost that. And because we've lost that, when these specific kind of questions come to us, it's like we don't have a foundation to stand on to address the specifics because we don't understand how we got here and, and what it cost to get here. So, I mean, God willing, Institute of Public Theology, we're going to try to address the regular categories from scripture and theology and ministry, but without assuming that foundation. We're going to dig down and recover that foundation and show, no, there is a biblical metaphysic. There are metaphysical realities that come from the scripture that we can no longer assume, but we're going to uncover them, hold them up, and we're going to do our reasoning from there. Yeah. You know, another truth, Christian truth that seems to be under the surface as it relates to the vaccine passport. I mean, the idea of a vaccine passport is you can't go to certain places um, unless you have this. And I mentioned, I think there's people from California looking to come to our conference in January Mm -hmm. who are presently having to already do legwork to get exemptions from what's going to be coming or is coming upon them so that they can get to our conference. And so if you have a, you know, if you have 
this slave-like mentality that says, well, I'm just going to stay right where I am and there's not really anything for me to do out there. Well, then you're going to be more inclined to say, well, if they're shutting doors, you know, I wouldn't walk through those doors anyways. And so I'm not going to die on that hill. You're missing a Christian Jew that you were to be fruitful to multiply, to fill the earth and have dominion or do take great commission. You were to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. It's, it's this a progress mindedness, you could say. You know, we're supposed to go and, and do things, which means if you're starting to, in this nation, close doors because I haven't had a needle stuck in my arm. If you're starting, that's a problem. You know, no, because you, you're not allowed to begin to cut off. And the reason often that government can do that is because the Christians, the people that ought to be ought to know better, have already bought into the mindset right. that's wrongheaded, that they should say, no, you're not going to be able to um, do that kind of thing. So we need to renew and recover that particular truth that, no, um, you're not allowed to take these things away, even if it is, well, you know, you can't go into this particular state that I don't live in. Well, no, we might. We, there are people there in that state that, you know, need to know Christ. There is work that needs to be done in that particular state. And so, no, you can't be cutting it off because I haven't had a vaccine. Yeah. And this comes right back to what we've talked about multiple times here is that the world has done a far more effective job at discipling from their vantage point, their values than the church has done. And so, so many of our people in our congregations have been well discipled by the world to simply go along with whatever's being said, not to question, not to bring everything back to the scriptures, to take every thought captive and then to make decisions based upon that. But, oh, okay. Uh, because they're the government and God ordains government, we know Romans 13 says that, then we've got to go along with it. And man, we just, we've got to recover a Christian mind. We've got to recover Christian thinking and understanding how to respond to these types of agendas. And that doesn't mean that we're always going to agree with each other. We're going to have good brothers and sisters that might disagree with us on proper responses to certain of these proposed agendas. But we at least ought to be able to mark out the playing field of our debate we do have a book. Yeah. This is where my, my comment earlier about uh, downtown with my wife came from. I, I was talking to her even before we ran into that newscaster. And I said, you know, I, it's interesting to me that this COVID vaccination thing is, is playing such a big part still in the conversation. Why are we even talking about it? You know, who sets the agenda? I've often said whoever sets the agenda for the meeting, you know, a lot of people sit in the meeting, they don't think about it. They just receive the agenda. But it's like, well, who put, who, who decided what's going to be on there and what's not going to be on there? Why in the world is COVID still on the agenda mm-hmm. when, well, yes, there has been an increase in people that are contracting it, uh, the, the sickness. We see that data. Uh, there has not been an increase in the number of deaths. And it's such, it's such a low number of deaths um, that why are we still addressing this and, and then of course we walk up and the lady's talking about it like this you can't get away from it and uh, I'm convinced that we're being um, told even what to think about yeah. and, and we allow ourselves to be moved in that kind of way so to your point about the world discipling a key text to go to and then I want to talk about the great stereopticon but a key text would be Romans 12 too. do not be conformed mm-hmm. to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect so uh, two basic directions there do not be conformed to this world and how easily it is uh, that we fall into that mm-hmm. you know we we hear the world's messages all the time and if they came right out and said you know look you should you should go and kill somebody murder somebody we'd say well no i'm not going to be conformed. what about the subtle ways the ways that you're starting to think about government the way you're starting to think about what it means to um, praise those who do good the way you're starting to think about resources money sickness death all of those kinds of things 
Well, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. How's that going to happen? It's going to happen by meditating upon Scripture. You're going to have mm-hmm. a routine in your life where we go as a family and we worship the Lord Jesus Christ and we hear the Word of God proclaimed and we believe that Word. Uh, we do this on the Lord's Day. And then we go about our lives and have continual meditation upon the Scriptures so that everything that we engage in is being guided by the Word of God. Now, step back from that and say, where is the church really today? I'm convinced that people are meditating um, really endlessly uh, upon other prophets. And the great stereopticon from Richard Weaver, a wonderful book called Ideas Have Consequences. I don't think he's a Christian. I just think he had a wonderful analysis of how we're shaped. Uh, For him, he spoke of the great stereopticon as having kind of three arms. The first was the news or the media. And so you're constantly getting that and they don't want to have a dialogue with you. They just, they're going to give you information and you're going to receive it. The second was, he called it the motion pictures. They have movies, Hollywood. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, well you go and watch a film and that begins to shape you. You're taking something in. And third was radio or television. And this one was tricky because it, it goes with you, you know, so you, you maybe watch a film at night, you get up in the car in the morning, you turn on the radio and there you are. You're constantly getting in information. You're constantly getting data from the great stereopticon. If that was true for Weaver, uh, it's even more so true for us today. Yeah. And and so the way we engage the world, the way we think about the world has been shaped by all of these avenues and more in our day. And we've got the internet, you know, which is 24 seven access to all kinds of things around the world. And that shapes the way you think about the world. And so we're to have our minds renewed by the word of God. What does that mean? Well, it it means that, yes, we must hear preaching, but it means that preaching, teaching needs to be so rigorously biblical that we no longer assume. And I, I really think this is where we've been played big time is we've come to assume certain things about reality that just ain't so. The world doesn't exist for me. People are not the center of the world. There is a God in heaven. There's a God who created everything that exists, and he created it by himself. He created it for himself, and he requires all of his image bearers to be in right relationship with him, to live righteously. We blew that big time. Our first father did. We've continued on that same pathway, but he's loved us, and he's given up his son to come and do everything in our behalf that we cannot do for ourselves, including to suffer for our sins and to be raised from the dead in order that in him we can be reunited to God and and praise God for that. But the the message of the gospel gets so truncated in our day. We we think that it begins with either the, the death of Jesus on the cross or the birth of Jesus or the resurrection of Jesus. And of course, that's the hub of it. But Jesus came into a world that was created by God. He came into a world that God designed for himself, by himself, and that God holds accountable to himself. And if we don't remember all of that, we can get so easily played not recognizing what's happening because we we believe in Jesus. We believe Jesus. We preach the gospel, the gospel above all, right? So no matter what happens over here, what you think over there, let's don't get involved in that. It's because of the gospel. And, And consequently, we get moved along to start assuming or pretending or affirming things that are different than what God actually has revealed them to be, mm-hmm. both in nature and in the written word. And we're expected to just kind of genuflect to those realities. And, and the, when you don't, some of our Christian brothers say, but hey, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the gospel, I'm thinking, yeah, it's the gospel of God. <laughs> it's God's gospel who did everything here that we've got to also acknowledge. And man, I, I think we're so far removed 
from thinking that way that pastors of churches have got to come back to these fundamental realities that we can no longer assume and start again with Genesis 1-1. God's world, God's rules, and we need to take him at his word to understand reality as it actually is. Yeah, and you know, some people that listen to this might need to kind of take adv- take assessment of their life and say, you know, think along the lines of this great stereopticon. Uh, when you're taking in anything that's like news or media, so that could be anything from like Tucker Carlson to Ben Shapiro to, to CNN, MSNBC, whatever it is that you're watching. Uh, some of those you probably shouldn't be watching, but whatever it is that you're taking in, when you classify something, somebody that's paid to bring you information about what happened in the world today or mm-hmm. yesterday or last week, whatever. Um, think about how, how much time are you taking with that? Who are those people? Um, what are their principles? And um, just think about how it's impacting your life. You're thinking uh, your emotions. Uh, the second category, this motion picture for us, that's like movies, like a full length movie or a TV show like Netflix, Amazon, you know, maybe Hulu. I don't know all these TV shows. BritBox. You know, do you get BritBox <laughs> when you get, I don't know, these boxes these days. Some people tell me about these. I'm like a new box. I don't know. Um, but, okay, you know, you go through your workday. What's your rhythm of life? You you go through your workday. Do you, do, you do you hit the bed, you know, with the wife or with the husband and kind of throw on 45 minutes? Do you throw on like an hour and a half? Um, we've had shows that we've liked to watch in the past and you can see them just shoving something down your, your throat, you know, and my wife and I now sharpen it. You're like, Oh my goodness. I mean, come on. Can, why can you believe you're doing this? And so, you know, it, it, I often, I just, we found myself just watching like cooking shows, like watching barbecue <laughs> shows. Like that's what I like to watch now. At least, There's good hunting shows. At least there. there you go. But think about what, what are you taking in there? Because that is forming you. I mean, yeah. we, ideas have consequences and what comes into our minds, what we watch, what we fix our eyes upon that ends up shaping us. And the third is for, for Weaver, it was radio and television. And for us, that's, that's very much mm. like social media. It's like not somebody that's necessarily paid to bring me media. And it's not, a, it's not like a show or a film, but it's like this group of people, often friends or acquaintances, people you're distantly connected with somehow that are constantly throwing data upon mm. you, Instagram, whatever it might be. How much time are you spending on that? And then how is that shaping you? So it's not that any of those mediums are bad. <laughs> we actually need to fill all of those mediums right. with Christian truth. But you're having to, you're, you're on the receiving end of so much data. You need to take assessment. Okay, how's that shaping my life? And above all, what you have to be doing is taking the Bible and subjecting everything else to Scripture constantly, like mm-hmm. constantly. Here, here's what's coming. Give me a Bible verse. Does that accord with what's it, what God has revealed in Holy Scripture, or does it not? Does it not quite fit? That part does fit. That part doesn't fit. Every Christian has to be doing that labor and that work Otherwise, you're going to be pushed further and further downstream. Yeah, and, and here's a good little exercise. Uh, I, I would encourage everyone to do this, and you know, not to shame anyone. You don't have to tell anybody what your results are, but just do an audit of your life. Do an audit of uh, a week, or maybe even just two or three days. Uh, when you get up, what do you do when you get up? You know, what's what's your next hour? What's the first thing you do? What do you do over until noon of that day? And what do you do during your lunch hour? And just go through your day and look at how much 
you are consuming, and that's what it is. We are consumers of information that is being prepackaged and delivered to us by people who have agendas uh, for the way that they want that news to be consumed and what they want to happen to the consumers. And just how much time do you spend on social media? How much time are you spending just in quiet? How much time are you spending reading a good book? Or how much time are you reading the Bible? How much time are you praying? How much time are you talking to friends or children or whatever? Just do an audit, an honest audit of your life for a few days and look at it and just try to objectively say, okay, well, you know, here I've, I've taken an audit of 48 hours and, you know, I spent uh, 16 of those in, in bed and uh, two of those reading the newspaper, or if anybody does that anymore, or headlines on Drudge or whatever it is, but just see, comparatively speaking, I mean, and I'm willing to bet that for most of us where the Bible has a lesser role of impact in our lives on any given day, then do these other sources of information, this great stereopticon that's trying to shape the way we think about reality. And I've done this, my wife's done this, some of our other family members have done this. We've encouraged this with people in our church. Take a sabbatical, take a news sabbatical, shut off your TV, don't turn it on for a week or a month. Uh, I've actually helped people remove TVs from their homes just to get you because know, it was too tempting. And set them up in your house, big screens. No, hey, just, hey I, I, pastor's I, here again. I just put it in my garage, actually. But nevertheless, <laughs> that's another story. But anyway, just just t- get off the TV, get off the internet, get off social media, and just do that for a week. I mean, if you can't do it for any longer than a week, do it for a week. See what happens. I've never had either myself, my wife, other loved ones, our friends, family in the church. Never had anybody come back and say, "Oh man, that was miserable. That was horrible. I should never have done it." It's always been a uh, learning experience, and it's always been revelational to them saying, oh, man, you know, I didn't realize. Yeah, I mean, it, some I mean, we've had people who've been depressed because of all the news. You know, you're they're consuming the news. It's coming from a point of view. And if you read all this stuff, yeah, it's easy to get depressed. You read the Bible, you can't stay depressed if you read the Bible and you really believe what God says, you know, because you've got to have a Savior that has been crucified and risen from the dead. And so we we have every reason to be hopeful. Yes. And as you, you know, I think that that kind of sabbatical-like thing can be really good. And when you come back to it. Um, what, number one, don't think of any of those mediums as evil. That's a, that's yeah. a, I think it's a danger because you think, well, they're evil and I'll just stay away from them. It's like, well, that's not, that's not true. It's God's world. These mediums are okay. But what happens is you're not receiving these mediums well. You're not stewarding these mediums well. So, And even if you are stewarding them well, it can be good to take a break from them. When you come back, um, then you can be balanced with it, strategic with it. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take in some of that. I do want. I want to know what's going on in the world. And you mm-hmm. know, this commentator, though he's not a Christian, uh, seems to say stuff that's good, and not everything's going to be good. But you, you get to where you can field information from those various mediums and be bringing it into subjection. You know, taking God's word and applying it there. I think that's crucial for people to live well in the world. So when you come back from those breaks, engage in God's word in that way. You know, why Why all of the talk about Bible reading when you're talking about, when you start out talking about COVID and vaccine passports? Well, what, what I have found with the vaccine passport question is when that's presented, it's a matter of instinct. I, I think you need to say, should, should the, um, it's like you can do it with children, you know, uh, should the governor... Um, not let you come into the state if you haven't had a needle injected in your arm to give you a little medicine that might protect you from a virus that you could get and could kill 1%. And they're like, 
the kids be like, no, that's a terrible idea. That's a terrible The governor shouldn't do that. And we get so consumed with worldly thinking that we're not quite sure about it. So I, if you've got Bible in you and clarity of thought, and they say, should you vaccine pass? You're like, oh, have you lost your mind? Absolutely not. And it's going to be whether you have that word of God dwelling richly in you. Is it there? So that when this, whatever issue it is, is going to come next, you can think biblically and clearly upon yeah, it. Yeah, but I, I would venture to guess that uh, that question would be answered differently by your children than it would be the children who were living in the mid-20th century Soviet Union. I think children there who had been completely discipled into the uh, sovereignty of the state, and the, the state is God, they might have a different answer, which, yeah. again, goes to the point you know, we, we're not slaves. We are free people. God has blessed this generation in the West and certainly in the United States with freedoms that have been hard paid for, hard fought for by those who had a biblical worldview. And it seems like we're just so quick and ready and easy to just deliver that up and say, oh, no, no, you know, for the gospel's sake, Romans 13, let's just comply, let's comply, let's comply. It's a slave mentality. It's a mentality that is not thinking rigorously mm. from all of the word of God. And we've got to recover that. We, yes, we're not talking about uh, if you get an injection or don't get an injection that you can't believe the gospel or promote the gospel. That's not the issue. You can do it either way. But do it with an understanding that this is God's world. And the people who are trying to persuade you, and if they cross over and try to coerce you to do that, you need to understand who they are, what God's called them to be and do, and whether or not they're fulfilling their responsibilities, are they usurping authority that belongs only to God. Yes. And you need to recognize the truth you just said about the heritage that is coming down to us that is eroding. But you need to see the direction that's going uh, so that you can raise your children well and so that you can operate well. Because we have glorious freedoms yeah. that we are, have a responsibility to preserve. I was thinking about this last night. And this happened with James Coates. I thought, you know, one of the saddest things, I'm probably going to end up in jail for something that nobody in the world understands why I'm there. <laughs> That's you know? right. They'll also, can, can you believe Jared did that? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I was thinking about this with James. It's like, he, he's, in, he's in prison and, and it's not like, you know, we look back and he, you know, he burned at the stake for the atonement. Mm -hmm. You know, the problem is with, with the way they're eroding freedoms. It will be because you didn't wear blue shirts on uh, Tuesday. Mm -hmm. well, you, we, and it's like, no, I'm not going to wear blue shirts on Tuesday. And 90% of your people are going to be like, you know, well, why don't you just put the blue shirt on, man? Yeah. And it's the very direction we're going. So you actually have to, we need people to get that truth and to say, no, we're not wearing blue shirts on Tuesday. And if anybody goes to jail for three months for not wearing a blue shirt on Tuesday, that's the godly hero of the faith. Praise Absolutely. the Lord. And your children, you train them to think that way. Absolutely. Like they need to be tough, trained, work, yes, sweat. And, you know, when so-and-so comes along with a stimulus, you know, here's some here's some other people's money for you, uh, maybe money from the future called debt. Here it is. Here's a, here's a little incentive. Here's a, here's a golden chain that will tie you down. Uh, they need to know what to do with that. They need to be aware. Yeah, and, and that is, again, it's not completely unique, but it is an incredible blessing that is too rare in history and even today around the world that we have in this nation. And I get, I think about Obadiah Holmes, you know, July 31st, 1651. People look at him and even today people say, well, he was stupid. He didn't have to get beaten. That's true. People were willing to pay his fine. He, he could have gone home free, but he said, no, 
He said no. And he took the lashes. He had to sleep on his elbows and knees for weeks because his back was so bloodied from that. And yet what he did actually uh, promoted religious freedom in ways that the Massachusetts Bay Colony, had they known it, would never have allowed to happen. They did not want what resulted from that. But the whole world had their attention called to the fact that here is a Christian being beaten by other Christians because he worshiped in the home privately with a Baptist elderly man who could not worship publicly in the Massachusetts Bay Colony. And what he did was right and good. I'm what, do we have any Obadiah Holmeses in our day? I mean, we don't have many. And, and I think that many today would say exactly what you just said is going to be uh, the, the narrative about those who are imprisoned. And it's not going to be, oh, they're not martyrs for the faith. No, they're just being hard headed. They're just being stupid. You know, they won't take a needle. They won't do this little bitty thing. It's not a big deal to do this little bitty thing. They don't get it. Mm. Militant and triumphant. That is a um, great encouragement to come and join us January 20th through the 23rd for this conference on the doctrine of the church that we would be able to stand and proclaim the truth in these wild days that yeah. we live. And this is important, man. It's why we're doing the conference. I mean, we I had a group of elders yesterday ask me, you know, why, why militant triumphant? It's because this has been lost so much and we've got to recover it. We've got to highlight it. Uh, this is what we've been trying to do. Founders, I, I want to just encourage everyone, man, if, if you haven't signed up for our newsletter do that you know if you haven't uh, signed up for all the different social media places that where you can get information we're trying to provide as much information as we can to be helpful with this and the conference coming up in january i hope you'll be there it's it's going to be very significant the kind of issues that we'll be addressing thanks again for listening to the sword and the trial